Hello everyone, Zach here from the Carnival of Randomness on behalf of our sponsor, Upsitnik & Associates. In these unprecedented times, we reflect on our future, both in the next few weeks and months, but also the upcoming years and decades, and it's time to prepare for that future. Upsitnik & Associates has been contacted by many healthcare workers, as well as old and new clients, to prepare wills, powers of attorney, and advanced directives, also called a living will. All of you need these documents, so don't say you don't have any assets to speak of, no children or other dependents. Regardless of the circumstances now, you will need a will for today and tomorrow. Al Upsitnik feels so strongly about having wills and other needed documents prepared that Upsitnik and Associates can prepare your will, power of attorney, and living will at no charge, you heard that correct, no charge until the end of 2020. No hidden fees or gimmicks. Al feels so strongly about planning for the future at this time that he is willing to assist you with your future. Trust Opsitnik & Associates, attorneys for 42 years, from the Supreme Court to Alaska and everywhere in between. You can find them online, OpsitniksLaw.com, on Facebook, Opsitnik & Associates, or call them toll-free 1-866-391-3299 to prepare for your future. Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Carnival of Randomness. I am Zach, and I'm joined by Rye once again. Hello. Well, that, that was her mic, but there Hello. you go. Hello. Oh, there she is. And uh, normally we talk a lot about football, but this time we're going to talk about something very near and dear to her heart as a lifelong, passionate video gamer, all the way back to the Apple IIe, and something that's kind of been troubling us is the trend that the video game industry seems to be following with Hollywood where they take something that means so much to so many people slap a name on slap that name on something else and continue it on and ruin it would you say that's a fair description i think so so you take the floor you take point and let's let's talk some video games Sounds good. So the big one that, you know, we were going to talk about today was uh, sort of Bethesda and the history of Fallout as a franchise, sort of where it's where it was, where it's going. Is it dead? Well, and that's the thing is, I think Fallout is a lot older than a lot of people think. Well, that's the weird thing, right? Like, people listening to this might be younger than the franchise. Yeah, because what, they, they think it basically just goes back to, I guess it would but, be well, Fallout 3. Yeah, exactly. That's sort of what I was, uh, made me laugh earlier thinking about that, that there's probably people who, yeah, don't know that it existed before Bethesda had it. Yeah, for, well, why don't you, let's dive in. Where did they start? What did they do? Uh, so the first one was made in uh, 1994. It's was a spiritual successor to a DOS game uh, called Wasteland. Really old game released in 1988. The guys at Interplay wanted to create a sequel to Wasteland, but they didn't have the rights to do it. So they sort of came up with a compromise where they could take some of the themes and basically make, you know, a spiritual successor to it. Okay. Yeah. And that became Fallout. Right. Um, and it was, so, and this, did you start playing it from this point, from the original Fallout? Yeah, I did. So this is old school, top-down, very low graphics. 
Yeah, I mean, it was a top-down isometric. Uh, Fallout 1 released in 19, October 1997. Okay. And um, the problem... You know, if anybody sort of looks back on it now, as I think we tend to apply a lot of nostalgia to it, it didn't actually sell that well. Right. It it, it debuted at number 12. Uh, by the end of the year, it had sold about 54,000 copies, which isn't very much. No, and I, I remember, I, I didn't know anybody that had it. I didn't have it. But I remember eventually seeing clips of it, and it just, it didn't look very good. It's. It was definitely, I think, sort of something very different for the time. I think that was it. Um, one of the problems, I think, also was that, you know, for the time it was quite violent. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that not only is a turnoff for some people, but it also actually hampered it from getting, uh, like, ratings in certain foreign countries. Yeah, and it also probably hampered certain stores wanting to carry it. Yeah. So... Uh, you know, but it sold enough, I think, that they they greenlit a sequel to it. Um, by that point, Interplay, who made the first one, had created a little sub-studio called Black Isle. And most of the guys who were sort of involved with the development, the writing, the art, everything that kind of made Fallout Fallout had sort of moved from the the overall Interplay to Black Isle. Okay. So two months after Fallout 1 releases, they uh, announced that there's going to be a sequel. And it released just uh, one year later, October 1998. And did they have any, I wonder if they had anything planned or they just built it from the ground up in about a year? I think they just built it. I mean, at that point, you know, you could build games so much faster just because they were so much smaller. Well, that's true. Um, and they sort of, I think they reused, you know, a lot of sort of what they had. Um, and it, again, it's, it was all right, but it didn't make the kind of money that, uh, that the studio needed, frankly. Mm. Interplay and Black Isle basically never really made money off these games. Right. And, you know, that was a problem for them because they started taking, uh, loans from other companies. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And when and when they couldn't pay back the loans, the companies basically started taking chunks of the company. Right, and so there goes some of their divisions, there goes some of their people. Yeah, so sort of between October 1998 and sort of 2000-ish, it basically, Interplay goes from being, and Black Isle go from being, you know, developers to basically being kind of a shell company that just has the rights to some of these IPs. Because mm -hmm. there's just nothing left. Alright, so, well, how did Fallout 2 do, 2 do compared to Fallout 1? Um, it, uh, it sold alright for the first week, but it had dropped off the top 10 sales by its second week, which is pretty terrible. Alright, now, let me ask you this. At this point, with Fallout 2 already out, have you become really emotionally invested in it in the game as a franchise? Yeah, okay. I played both of them. Um, they they planned a third game, and they'd sort of even though the company was going through these sort of financial things on the back end, they did start working on on a third game. Um, it was codenamed Van Buren, 
and it had almost actually reached a sort of playable state by the time that the entire studio just really collapsed. Right. And um, at that point, you know, various companies bought the rights to different things. Bethesda had been granted the rights to develop uh, a license to develop Fallout 3. And then when they saw that the studio was collapsing, they moved to just buy the entire Fallout IP outright. All right. Smart move which, on their part. Yeah, which they did. I think the estimate or the cost was something like $6 million. Which is not much for an IP. No. Um, although at that point, you know, a gamble on their part, considering that it was an IP for a game that really had not made money. Well, true. So they were rolling the dice a little bit, but they already had the thing for the third one, so you might as well take it just in case it takes off. Exactly. So that was around uh, 2000 and sort of 2004, 2005, that kind of time period. Mm. And they had already started working on Fallout 3 at that point. And this um, is the Fallout 3 that would get released for the PlayStation and the, what, the PS3 and the 360 and all that stuff. Yeah, it's sort of the one that I think... You know, that obviously that modernized it. Yeah, that. so this is the one that the more casual video game person would be like, oh, okay, Fallout 3. That was, like, I remember that one. Exactly. Um, and it was the first truly successful uh, Fallout. Oh, I mean, I own it. It was great. Yeah, so it released in 2008, and it shipped just shy of 5 million units, bringing in uh, about $300 million to Bethesda. Yeah, so immediately the gamble paid off. Oh, yeah. Um, and then uh, after that, um, after the studio, Black Isle, and all of them collapsed, most of the guys involved sort of stayed together. They seemed to like working together. They sort of liked the games that they were making. So even though they had they had sort of left uh, Black Isle, they founded uh, a new studio called Obsidian, right. which was founded in 2003 and, and totally on their own. And Bethesda, I have to give them credit for this part, uh, allowed them to basically take a crack at Van Buren, the game that they had started developing, lost the rights to, and never really got to, you know, got to make. Okay. Um, and that game became New Vegas. Most of the I elements... I was going to say, New... was that the one that would eventually become Fallout New Vegas? Yeah. So that was sort of their, their second chance at the franchise. Mm-hmm. And if you sort of looked at the elements in, in Van Buren, you can immediately see so much of, you know, what ended up in New Vegas. You know, characters, names, themes. Well, now, I know, you know, really it's kind of non-canon Fallout New Vegas, but your thoughts on how good Fallout New Vegas was? It's kind of weird because at the time, you know, that it came out um, in uh, sort of in... Uh, the 2010, I think, 2011, somewhere around there. I was kind of indifferent about it. I mean, I liked it, but it's kind of one of those games that looks better and better and gets more appreciated, frankly, the more uh, Fallout games Bethesda makes. Exactly. You're like, man, this one is just really good still. Yeah, I mean, 
this is the the funny thing, right? Like Bethesda, they didn't have to let them do it. I mean, they're giving a license to basically one of their their competitors in the industry. Yeah. And even though it sold well and, you know, got critical acclaim, it's kind of created this really bad controversy for them for, that they've never gotten away from. For who, Obsidian or Bethesda? For Bethesda. Well, rightfully so. Because Obsidian's, you know, Fallout game is, is for almost everybody, way better. Yeah, it was great. Um, you know, so it's, it's almost like, you know, a quarterback controversy in football. Well, absolutely. Because, you know, what are you going to do all of a sudden, you know, your star isn't the star anymore. Exactly. You know, they'd made Fallout 3 and, and, you know, probably rightfully, you know, celebrated $300 million in sales. And then, um, you know, unfortunately, <laughs> New Vegas comes along and. Kind of blows the you doors know. off of it. Yeah, you know, people just won't stop talking about it now. And and almost ever since it launched, Bethesda doesn't like even acknowledging that it exists. No, that's what I mean. It is basically non-canon, so they're going to say, no, that, that game didn't happen. Well, you know, it did. Exactly. I mean, I think technically it is. It's just that, yeah, they just don't like acknowledging it exists. So, like, uh... They're constantly releasing little throwback vintage stuff uh, for Fallout 4 and 76 that, like, skins and, and power armor and things from Fallout 3. Yeah. Uh, they really don't like releasing anything related to New Vegas, even though, you know, a lot of people like the costumes, the armor and stuff that's in there, the whole Desert Ranger thing. Yeah, but it ain't gonna happen because it wasn't theirs. I think finally, I think it may have been part of uh, a 76 thing, they finally released Desert Ranger armor in a game. It was sort of this very tacit, little, subtle acknowledgement that this game exists for them. And let me guess, it, it was the highest selling DLC of all time. I think, yeah, I think it sold really well, but it was sort of funny because that's... You know, in like 10 years, that's like the only acknowledgement that they've really ever given. And you would think that they would take that, the sign that it was the most downloaded, the most purchased, be like, man, why aren't we taking advantage of this? Someone else made it, but it's still our product. You'd think, but they just, yeah. I think because they they know they can't compete on that end. <laughs> they definitely cannot, especially as of late. Actually, before, yeah. we, before we move up to Fallout 4... um. Which came out after New Vegas, yes? Yeah. Okay. What, do you remember the uh, the two expansions they did? For Fallout, Fallout 3? 3 the, the, oh yeah, the they pit. did a whole bunch of DLCs. Yeah, well, I have two of them. The Pit, which is the one based in Pittsburgh, and I think is Operation Anchorage. Yeah, the one based in Alaska. Yeah. Uh, they did uh, three others, Broken Steel... Point Lookout, which is basically uh, based in sort of a swamp in Maryland. Okay. And Mothership Zeta, which is this totally off the rails, I think, was, you know, non-canon alien. Space one? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I sort remember of the space one. Totally bonkers. Very silly. Uh, sort of a throwback to Fallout 2, which had been much more silly and full of sort of pop culture references than Fallout 1. Right. 
All right, so I, I just didn't want uh, to leave anything out because I do remember the expansions. Yeah, they were all actually really, really good. They did a good job with the DLCs for that one. Yeah. All right, so now we've talked about New Vegas, so now we're going to bump up to Bethesda returning or taking control back. Yeah, so New Vegas Adam released... Gase style. Exactly. Taking in, the play in... calling back for Fallout 4. Yeah. Uh, New Vegas released in 2010, and I imagine uh, Bethesda pretty much immediately started working on Fallout 4 because it released just five years later. I was going to say it came later because I have it for the Xbox One. Yeah, uh, it released for, yeah, PS4, Xbox One, and Windows. Yeah, so it had the next gen on it. So, so what was it, 2015? Yeah. Okay. Um... And uh, Fallout 4 was... I mean, it wasn't terrible. No, it's... But, you know, you start seeing kind of the progression of... Sort of away from RPG elements and, and much more into uh, Bethesda's sort of style of, of game development, which is much more about streamlining things than than adding things. Yeah. It's sort of like for every little system or thing they add, they cut to others. Right, yeah. Um, so you end up with a very uh, simplified RPG game that's more basically a first-person shooter with uh, trace RPG elements. Yeah, I than... was going to say, that's what I remember about it. It's basically a first-person shooter with some NPCs that can talk to you. Yeah, and a very sort of basic character creation. In incredibly basic. Whereas, you know, if you're going to be an RPG, you want it to be the other way around, to be, you know, deeply RPG with first-person shooter elements. Yeah, I mean, or if you want to just stick it with complete RPG, like, you know, Elder Scrolls and Skyrim. Exactly. Um, you know, if you know so RPG elements in a game, I think it's really either all or none. You really can't have touches of it because it doesn't make sense in a first- or third-person shooter. No, and sort of this is kind of the the problem that Bethesda's run into where it's constantly trying to please everybody and so it pleases nobody mm -hmm. because it's not enough of any one thing. It's not RPG enough for RPG fans. They're, they've always been, frankly, renowned for terrible shooting in their games. What else did, what did Bethesda do that was shooty? Um, well, Fallout 3 was really the first game that they did with shooting elements and it was shredded like the gun you know gunplay in that game is horrible yeah and they didn't really get any better through the dlcs and frankly even in fallout 4 it's still kind of horrible it wasn't uh, as bad it was a little it was a little smoother but not it's you know if you're somebody who likes uh call of duty Sort of the real, more technical stuff that where you get a lot of feedback from from you know guns in games. Yeah, you don't get any of that from Fallout. Hmm. Uh, so it's real. It's sort of unsatisfying to use the guns in the game. So if you're into that, you know Fallout, you're not going to probably migrate over for the great gunplay. No, I wouldn't imagine so. So it just doesn't quite do enough of anything for anybody. But, you know, it's Fallout, and it sold like an absolute monster. Yeah, because it had the Fallout name on it, and they're piggybacking off of Fallout New Vegas. And people 
probably didn't really make the disconnect between Obsidian and Bethesda. Yeah, they and they just, Fallout. you know, they marketed it well. Um, you know, it had been, at that point, like, you know, eight years or something between the, the two Bethesda games, Fallout 3 and Fallout 4. So, you know, I'm sure there are some people who enjoy what Bethesda, you know, does, at least enough to, to buy the game. Well, you'd think, because they, like you said, they did sell a lot of them. $750 million within the first 24 hours. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> $60 of which was mine. Yeah, I was going to say, there was a... I, did, I don't think I got it immediately. I got it later on. I think I got it the, the e minutes after it became available. I, I think I remember you telling me that, yeah. <laughs> um... You know, and I don't regret it. It's not a good game. Right. But it's not a terrible game. I've, I mean, I, I think it would be unfair to put as many hours as I've put into it and, you know, and complain about, you know, that I didn't feel I got my money's worth. Right. I mean, if you're, you know, if you've dumped how many, how many probably hundreds of hours into that game... Exactly, you know. Yeah, once you um, hit, once you hit like the fifty hour mark for a game, you kind of lose the right to say that it's bad. Exactly, you know. So the storyline isn't good. Um, Bethesda's always had a little bit of trouble with uh, kind of tunnel vision for their stories, right? Um, Todd Howard has has kind of come out and said that he personally is just. He really loves the intro thing where you emerge from the vault, which is why every game that they develop has that. Yeah, I was going to say that's one of the few things that's really stuck through the entire thing. And, you know, for Fallout 3, it was really cool. It was well done, but then uh, you kind of get railroaded in now. How do you mean? Well, just, like, how many times can you sort of have that image of emerging from a vault before it kind of gets a little stale? That That's true. Um, I mean, especially and, when it's so groundbreaking, you can maybe get away with it one, maybe two more times. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it just, I don't know, like, he's he's got some very sort of set ideas of how the beginning of every Fallout game should start. Mm -hmm. And I, it, I'm not sure this one really worked. I mean, in Fallout 3, your dad runs away from the vault, so the whole game is go find your dad. Right. Um, what in was follow four? Uh, four is uh, basically your baby was kidnapped, so you have to go and find your baby. Okay, so basically two sides of the same coin. You're just searching for somebody. Yeah, because that's sort of that's always the impetus for you leaving the vault. Exactly to go hunt somebody that either left or was taken. Um, you know, but the big problem is. Uh, in Fallout 3, you get to play probably about half an hour to 40 minutes in the vault. You sort of play through various little bits of you being, uh, you know, like 10 and then being a teenager. I that. Yeah, it was, you know, kind of a really good interactive tutorial. It was, and it sort of made you, uh, you know, it tied you to the vault. These are people you know, and you actually come back to the vault later in the game. Yeah. So it has meaning, whereas... Uh, Fallout Four. Uh, you play, minute. you play for about three minutes in pre-war U.S., and then uh, all of a sudden a, a TV announcement comes on that the 
uh, you know, the bombs have been dropped. Yeah. That the U.S. is in nuclear war and you run to the vault and, you know, two minutes later, your spouse is shot, someone kidnaps your baby and welcome to the game. Yeah, which is kind of... No bond there, you know. You don't know your spouse at all. You have no attachment to this baby who you've interacted with for five seconds. Yeah, it's like you turn and look, and you look at the wife and child just in time to see her get shot and the baby taken. It's like, all right, I'm assuming you're my wife and child. Basically, yeah. Um, you know, and then it runs into the the problem that all of these open world games sort of fall into, where it tries to set up this sense of urgency with find your baby but it's an open world game where you can decide what you want to do okay so if you want to just farm for the next six months in game time that's <laughs> fine that baby you're looking for meh. <laughs> yeah exactly that baby ain't going anywhere you know might be alive might be dead who knows right you know it's it, and i understand what like Fallout 1 and I think also 2, if I remember, both had actual in-game timers. They made you complete the game in a certain amount of in-game days. Okay. I was going to say, I don't remember that. 3 didn't have that, did it? No. I was going to say, I don't remember that in 3, and having never played 1 or 2, you know, I couldn't it was you. It was controversial even at the time. It worked to give you that sense of urgency, but obviously it meant that you couldn't really explore the game, you know, freely. And I think that's, you know... I- in this day and age, it's a lot more accepted. There are some games like that where you go in and you know you're given, like, you know, 30 days, you gotta do something, otherwise the mm-hmm. game's over. It's a very, It was a very 90s thing to have sort of in-game timers, and I think even by two, people were complaining so much that they ended up releasing a patch that basically gives you unlimited time. And I mean, I can understand it, and in some cases it would be appealing, but I think with some games you just like to explore. Yeah, you know, and so, but that's sort of the problem that it kind of runs into with the plot. Um, Arkham City kind of ran into the same thing, you know, Batman's poisoned, you're supposed to find this cure before, you know, he dies, but you yeah, can spend... Yeah, except every single side quest apparently doesn't count towards that time. Well, that's it, you can spend, you know, who knows how long dawdling around looking for, you know, 400 Riddler trophies if you want. Yeah, but I think that's actually cool because there is, but as long as you're doing something else and exploring, it doesn't count. Yeah. Which I think And at least, at least in that game, it it doesn't have a, a, a day-night cycle. No matter what you do or how long you play, it's all supposed to take place over one night. It's always night. Yeah. Whereas the problem with Fallout 4 is it does have a day and night cycle, so you're very aware that time is passing. True, yeah. Uh, so it's just, the plot is sort of, eh. Mm. Um... And the whole writing is just sort of eh from there on out. And that's the problem. If you're going to make anything with any sort of RPG elements, it doesn't matter if it's first-person shooter, you have to have good writing to really drive it. Yeah, and it just... uh, The biggest problem is that it it removes so much choice and sort of autonomy from you, which is sort of a weird decision from Bethesda, which I'm still not entirely sure why they did it, because it's it's almost like you solve a problem, and then you yourself create the problem years later. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? 
they had so much choice in Fallout 3, which they made, and then they take it all away for Fallout 4. Yeah. So I'm not quite sure. Um, you basically can't be evil in Fallout 4. Which, I'm, I'm sorry, I know a lot of people wouldn't choose to be evil, but there is something funny about running through an RPG and just doing everything evil. Well, that's it. You know, some people do like doing that, and at least gives it also gives it replay value. Maybe you play once as a good person, maybe you replay it as an evil person. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's more, you know, people just sort of rejected the idea that you just, it wouldn't let you do it. Exactly. Which is just silly, considering that in Fallout 3, you can choose to blow up the very first settlement you come across. Yeah. That's kind of a drastic shift going from you want to blow this up to you're not allowed to do anything except what, you know, a saint would do. That's it. I mean, you're not even allowed to to kill some of the NPCs trying to give you a quest. Ah, come on. That's the fun part of it. Exactly, you know. Um, so it's just sort of odd, um, you know, and you can just sort of see that that throughout where it just feels like so much less of your story, you know, like it's supposed to be an RPG game, but you're very clearly playing the character and, and sort of doing the things exactly as Bethesda has set them down for you. Yeah, exactly. So you're making choices, but those choices have already been determined for you. Basically, because the game just won't allow you to go places or do things or talk to people and just, there's all these sort of roadblocks and railroads that the game pushes you into. Yeah, and it, and after so many times, it becomes blatantly obvious what they're trying to do. Well, that's it. I mean, uh, there's kind of a funny mod that came out which changes the dialogue system from just a few basic word prompts to showing you exactly what each option is. And there's always four. Uh, and every single one is yes. It's just one is a slightly more reluctant yes, one is a slightly snarkier yes, but they're all yes all the time. Oh, God. You know, so it takes the illusion away because without the mod, they sort of try and say that one is no, but you don't actually say no. You say, like, I'll be back later to do that or I'll think about it. Yeah, or as if I would do that. And it just adds something to your quest log anyway. Yeah, it's like, you'll do it eventually. Exactly. Um, you know, so it's just, it's that sort of feeling. Well, now, um, I'm sorry to interrupt there, but, yeah, yeah. you know, you're, you're still coming off, again, this is the first game that's come out with the Fallout name since New Vegas. Yeah. And, obviously, leading up to it, they did their hype and all that, and it looked good in the hype, right? Which is why you bought oh, it yeah. the day. Oh yeah, I watched all the stuff. So this is this is where the trap lies. It's not until you've already invested your money and started investing your time do you realize that it's starting to take a downward spiral. Yeah, I mean, you know, I guess if you if you have the discipline to wait and let other people pony up money and play it, then you know you could avoid it. I probably would have bought it eventually anyway. Right. I enjoy the, the settlement building. I enjoy sometimes Go. just, you know, going through and, and pew-pewing the things that it allows you to destroy. Well, I remember I've been talking to you sometimes, like, oh, what are you up to? Oh, I'm probably going to go do some uh, settlement building. Yeah. Um, 
Which is, it was especially cool because you could see Bethesda starting with sort of settlement and house building in Skyrim's DLC Hearthfire. Okay, yeah, I remember that one. Which was a terrible DLC for Skyrim because literally you just kind of build a little house and you don't even really build it yourself. You just sort of select different sections of a house to be stuck together. Yeah, that's not exactly building it. Um, you know, so it was a terrible DLC for Skyrim, but it's cool to see the progression where if you play, you know, do any of the settlement building in Fallout, you can see the elements there. Right. Where they've, you know, they've learned from the criticism that they got for that DLC. And you're thinking about it, you're like, huh, maybe they are going to be good with this. I mean, the settlement building is, is fun. I think that's... You know, for a lot of people where a whole lot of time is spent. Oh, and yeah. obviously... Yeah, but at the, the same time, yeah, the settlement building is good, but what about the rest of the game? Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, the one thing that, you know, keeps Bethesda's games alive, and that's that goes for, you know, Elder Scrolls as well, is obviously the modding community. Right, and Fallout does have some mods. Oh, so many mods. Um... And, you know, and that gives life to it, you know, way beyond what it would have otherwise. I'm not sure people would still be playing Skyrim, at least with the sort of zeal that they are if there was no mods for that game. I, I doubt it. There's only so many times you can play it before you're just like, alright, that's enough. Yeah, um, you know, whereas mods can make it almost a new game. And... Right, and some of them are really funny. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of, uh, you know, sort of funny ones. There's ones where other people have built, you know, beautiful uh, settlements and things that you could just download and, and tinker with yourself. Yeah. Uh, weapons and things. Uh, obviously, one of the things that has kind of become a crutch, though, is modders fixing the games for them. Exactly. And that's, that, it's when you start, it starts becoming something different. Yeah, um, you know, Bethesda's kind of been renowned for bugs, glitches, and things. And modders are usually the ones who fix almost all of that well before Bethesda gets around to even trying. Yeah, so like, oh, well, let's just release it, they'll do it. Pretty much. <laughs> so that's, that's sort of the And that's the sad when you as a company that makes video games have to rely on your audience to fix your errors. Pretty much, but, you know, so many of them just won't be fixed otherwise. Right. Um, and then, of course, you know, a couple years later, you get Fallout 76. Oh, God. Um, I, remember, and... I remember watching the trailers for that, because it only came out, what, two, three years ago? Yeah, 2018. And I was like, okay... Different. Mm. And then all the stuff started to come out. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You know, the the blatant merch grabs with the incredibly subpar merchandise, the the what was it, the the bag gate and Oh god, exactly. It, it Just was, everything. It was a clown show is what it was. A literal clown show. It really was. It was uh I mean hilarious in, in retrospect but yeah I mean crazy 
But um, what do you think was the most ridiculous one that you saw? Uh, probably Baggate because it was so sort of multifaceted. Like, you know, you had the problems with the merchandise, which they handled badly. Very and badly. then in order to get, you know, to get the merchandise that you paid for, you had to give them your information, which included your credit card. Mm-hmm. And they did not secure the website, so the website was basically open to the public. Yep. You could just sort of log into other people's request accounts and see their, you know, their name, address, credit card information. Which is, I, I don't know how they got away with that legally. I, I don't even know, but, you know, like, that's, it's bad enough that, and this was for the highest end of the Fallout 76, uh, you know, editions. It was their, like, $500 Power Armor edition. Yeah, the, the Ultra one. You know, so these are the the absolutely insane hardcore fans that, you know, that put me to shame. Right. You know, the uh, one, yeah. You know, paying $500 for a game. <clears throat> so you, you would hope that, you know, the merchandise would be all right at that price. Exactly. Like, if I'm dropping 500 bucks on a game, I better get something worthwhile. Yeah, and not only, you know, did you not get the bag, but at least some of them... The uh, sort of power armor helmet that you got also went moldy. Yeah, so let's let's talk about the bag. So, exp- <laughs> give a quick background for those that may not know about what what the deal with the bag was. Uh, so, in that same uh, power armor edition, you know, you get a bunch of things. You get your you know power armor helmet. You were supposed to get a canvas bag, sort of a nice looking duffel bag to stick it in, mm-hmm. and a couple of other little things. And instead, people got these really, really cheap, sort of unraveling, broken, uh, sort of vinyl bags. Sort of think of the cheapest kind of backpack you can, and it was sort of made out of that. It was basically made of windbreaker material. Yeah, like the $5 dollar store windbreaker kind of thing, poncho, you know, material. That was basically stapled together with, with, you know vinyl handles you know and again if you're paying five hundred dollars you expect to get what you paid for yeah especially when it's advertised yeah which then you know and beyond that it's it's a legal problem because in many places it's actually illegal to advertise one thing and then give a consumer another yeah bait and switch um you know so it was sort of you could understand why people were annoyed oh very much so um you know, but then, yeah, you, they go through this sort of whole thing where uh, Bethesda's, you know, PR reps are giving various excuses for why the, you know, they couldn't get the bag. One says that, you know, it was just a prototype. Another says that there was somehow some great canvas shortage in the U.S. at the time. Uh, I remember the, the message about the canvas shortage. Another one gives this uh, this now memed hilarious response of "No, we're not planning to do anything about it. Goodbye." Yep. Um, you know, so like every step of the way, it was just handled so badly. But on one hand, you got to give them credit for having the balls to do it. Yeah, you know. And then you want to then... point and laugh at the people for having the sense to not see it coming. You know, and then they finally decide that 
they're going to make up for basically this $500, you know, kit being kind of busted by giving everybody who, you know, applied for it $5 worth of in-game currency. Yep. Which isn't enough to do anything with in Bethesda's shops. Like, everything is like $20 or more. Yeah, so basically, it was almost... It was actually worse than them getting nothing. Basically, it was it was insulting, I yeah, imagine. It was a you slap know. in the face. Like, we took your money, shut up. You know, the least amount of in-game currency they could possibly give you. Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't... It was a, a couple of dollars away from even being able to buy the in-game canvas bag, too. That's the ultimate irony. You know, just for that added hilarity. So the whole thing was just a mess, and I think that's the, you know, the biggest mess that they have, obviously, because it included so much personal information. Oh, man. I mean, that that is just a, a nightmare. They immediately, you know, within, I think, a couple of hours, just shut down the entire website. Yeah, but too little too late for that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right, but beyond that, let's talk about the actual gameplay of 76. Hmm... How was it? It was... It was a thing. I mean, it was broken and uh, almost unplayable at launch. Mm-hmm. I mean, Bethesda's games are known for being broken, but this was, like, beyond even what... Well, no, they're known the for other... being broken, but you can at least hack your way through it. Yeah, you know, this was, like, way beyond what people had experienced with 3 or even New Vegas, which kind of launched in in the most buggy state just because it was so rushed in its development. Oh my god. But, but this was... Uh, there was actually lawsuits started because, again, it, people insisted that it was almost a bait-and-switch, you know, that they were advertised a complete game and instead got a broken buggy mess that was unplayable for a lot of people. <laughs> All that for f the low, low price of $500. Uh, I mean, it... Usually games, sort of the AAA games, don't go on sale immediately after they're released. Right. But you watched and Fallout 76 went on sale one week later. Oh my god. Because goodness. stores had just ordered way too many copies of it. So you started watching the price just absolutely crater, you know, like from the original 60 or $80 to, you know, like 50 40 30-something. Oh my god, then... it dropped like a stone, and in such quick fashion, too. And then uh, they started, certain stores just started zip-tying copies, extra copies to other things, so if you bought the... The Fallout 76, uh, like, Xbox, which came with it, you got a second copy. Uh, if you if you bought there is a a store I think in Germany where if you bought like a five dollar uh, thumb drive flash drive you got a copy of seventy six. It's like you come into come into come into ask directions to another store and you leave with a copy of seventy six. It was almost that bad. Like they were just trying to to clear these out almost by any means necessary. If you bought. Like, even one dollar of, of something in some stores, they would practically give you a copy of it. Yeah, it's like, hey, can I get can I get change for a dollar? You get four quarters yeah. and a copy of 76. I mean, what else did they, you know? And But the sort of nefarious thing is that 
you know, it was fine with Bethesda because um, it's almost worth it for them to give the game away for no money because all the money that they get yeah, it's in... Yeah, all the microtransactions. Yeah, in the Atomic Shop, which is the in-game, yeah, shop. Yeah, that's where they're making their money. So yeah, they didn't care about handing out the game. Well, and the ironic part is that uh, the like it's not a disc in there anymore. It's just a little piece of paper with uh, you know a download code on it. That's hilarious. So you're basically just buying the case and the download code. <laughs> oh my god. Uh huh. And that's true, uh, straight up, too. Even if you buy the $500 Power Armor Edition, you don't get a disc, as far as I know. I mean, hopefully it was at least, like, a nice embossed, like, business card or something. <laughs> well, that's how it's all going, right? All digital. Well, right, I understand that, but, you know, if you're actually going to send them a case, at least have the paper inside be, like, fancy-looking. I don't think so. I don't think it was literally... It was like one of those phone numbers, the phone numbers you tear off of the, you know, piano lessons thing you see on telephone poles and post-it boards. Yeah, I think it was like, you know, the cheapest paper label, you know, like when you used to print your own uh, CD labels. No, it probably wasn't even that. It was probably just like a photocopy of a disc. Uh, I think it's gotten better. I, I follow some YouTube channels, and obviously they've been working on the game for two more years now, which really should have been, you know, in development. Right, and I don't think people would have cared if they would have kept it in development for three years. No, uh, you know, but for whatever reason, you know, Bethesda shoved it out to make money. And did they? Probably not. I don't think so. Uh, it... From what I've seen, it sold, you know, terribly. And in all honesty, do you think anybody that bought it back when it came out and lived through all of this fiasco is even going to attempt to give it a chance again? A lot of them aren't. I mean, a lot of them just don't really care because it's it's not a game that anybody sort of asked for or wanted, I you think, know? I think that's the biggest problem. It was a game that nobody really needed. Um, people wanted to play Fallout the single player with their friends. They didn't want an online sort of looter shooter yeah. that chased every other trends, like one of the... Yeah, not sort every of... game that gets released has to be Fortnite or PUBG. Well, that was the problem, and it, it didn't... That sort of, I don't think, even still has gotten better. Like, at one point, I think only a year or so ago, one of the roadmap developments was an online uh, MOBA game. Oh, like, of course it was. You know, that's straight out of uh, PUBG or whatever, Fortnite, where, you know, you have your map and then there's an increasingly small area that you can move around because, a, you know, a fire continually moves inward. Oh, so, yeah, the fire that's somehow burning in a circle. Oh, the fire's getting closer, you better move here. Exactly, to constantly, you know, force players together. Oh. I'm, but that I'm sorry, was basically... but that is, I don't care how popular Fortnite and PUBG and, you know, Daisy and whatever all those other games are. are mm -hmm. To me, it's an, it's an unoriginal idea. Well, that's it. And again, you're sort of... People who play Fallout 
play Fallout because it's not those games. You know, people play Fallout to play Fallout. If they want to play PUBG, they'll play PUBG. Right, exactly. If I want to, if I actually wanted to play Fortnite, I would go out and buy a copy of Fortnite. You know, so sort of but forcing. I but I don't want every game I'm playing to be Fortnite. Yeah, you know, so it just it it. There's so much about it that's basically just a Fallout skin on, you know, on these trendy new games. And I think most people just aren't that interested in that kind of thing. No, because they can see through it now, just how pandering it is and how condescending it is from the manufacturer's standpoint. Well, exactly. I mean, I think a lot of, obviously, a lot of trust was burnt up, but it goes back to that whole not being enough of anything for anybody. People who like Fallout sort of in terms of its themes and everything, aren't going to be interested in, you know, the constant multiplayer and microtransaction stuff of 76. No, absolutely not. And, and people who already have far superior games in both sort of the, the MOBA genre yeah. and the looter shooter are not going to migrate over to 76. No, absolutely not. Because they're going to stick with what they know. It's like, Fallout, isn't that one of those survival games? That are, you know, that ain't us. Exactly, you know, and they're not, you know, you're not going to want to have to buy all these, you know, copies of 76 for all their friends, you know, they'll just stay with, yeah, with PUBG, with Fortnite, with, you know, Destiny, all those other yeah, games. You stick with what works. So, I think it's just another case of not really being enough of anything. They're always chasing the, you know, the elusive audience that they think they don't have. <laughs> Well, it's yeah. almost like they firmly believe that they're somehow going to draw people away from Fall, uh, from not from Fallout, but from Fortnite and PUBG and Destiny and things like that. Yeah, you know, and on one side you could sort of understand that, okay, yes, you're a business. I mean, you always have to be trying to expand your product, but you also sort of wonder, like, at what point is it diminishing returns? I mean, Fallout 4 sold, you know... $750 million. Yeah, exactly. It clearly, something was kind of working there. And at least in terms of, you know, commercial sales, they got their money back. Yeah, they got and their then, money back, and it was only then that people started realizing that the game was starting to take a tumble. Well, yeah, and then sort of Bethesda goes and changes everything and makes, you know, probably a fraction of that amount on 76. Yeah, and... To me, that should tell them everything they need to know for the future of their games. Yeah, you know, you chased an audience that, you know, you were hoping to get, and instead you lost the, a lot of the right. audience you already had. You know, and you were probably thinking, oh, worst case scenario is at least we'll keep the, the market we have. Well, no, actually, the worst case scenario was what you did. You didn't get this supposed target audience, and you lost a large chunk of your already there market. Exactly. You know, a lot of people... You know, that I know that, uh, like, Fallout as a franchise just, you know, gave up even talking about 76 after about two weeks. Yeah, because really there's no point. It was, it just became less and less about it as a game and more and more about, you know, Bethesda's failure as as a company, sort of bad gate, all the other drama sort of going around. Well, that's, that's the problem. And I think, honestly, if they're hadn't been as much of that it wouldn't be as bad no i think i mean people like to dogpile right it's fun it yeah is. like everybody so and especially when it's 
it's a company, sort of a titan that, you know, has kind of ruled the roost for a long time, maybe gotten a bit cocky. Everybody likes to see them fall on their face. Yeah, and in all honesty, they brought it upon themselves the way they acted, too. Well, that was sort of it. You know, they'd, they'd been losing a lot of goodwill through, you know, more aggressive microtransaction in all their games, in Skyrim, in Fallout 4. Yeah. Uh, but so they, people were already starting to get angry. Right, and if they hadn't done that, and if they did take a tumble with it, people wouldn't have been as, ha ha ha, you suck. It would have been like, man, that sucks that that happened to them. Well, exactly. But people were, you know, so many people were already so so angry, so bitter that, that you they know. Were pray- hoping and praying that something would happen, and they got their wish. Well, that's it. And then it was just everything, just thing after thing. And yeah, they, they, they didn't just get their wish. They got their wish in spades. Exactly. Because um, how many days straight did you turn on, did you start looking for video game news and they had done something else? It went on for over a year. Yeah, but I mean, it was like constantly every day there was something yeah. new and stupid that they did. Oh, yeah. It was like, yeah, every day or every couple days there was some new story about a new lawsuit or some new scandal or something, you know, on their end that they didn't secure. Yeah. Uh, You know, accounts disappearing, just bad and bad handling of of all of it on Bethesda's end. Like, suddenly their PR just basically decided to tell everybody to F off. Well, that's really what it seemed. And I think in a lot of cases they actually did that. You know, which was odd. Yeah, I I don't even see what the rationale behind that could be. Um, clearly just, you know, hiring uh, practically call centers for the cheapest possible amount. Oh, right, they're shipping it out and they're complaining about it. It's like, what are you talking about? Fallout, we don't make that. Shut up. Exactly. So just, yeah, I mean, it just went on for, I think, over a year where... The horse was long dead and still being beaten about what a broken broken game, broken company. Well, and to be fair, it's gonna that's a huge hole for Bethesda to dig itself out of, and I don't know if they're going to be able to. I I don't think so. Um, you know, I There's a certain trajectory and I think um it's very difficult to get off of that. Yeah. And and that's you know, especially with how with how long remembering the internet is. Well, there's that, but just, like, purely in terms of what they, as a company, do. Sort of how they make games, how they've always made games. And just, it's stagnant. They, to be honest, they've never been very good at innovating. No, not really. They've they've sort of had one style of game that they've made for like 15 years now and that's kind of the only way that they know how to make games it kind of seems that way huh you know and that was sort of fine for you know 2010 2011 like you sort of think of when skyrim launched and you know and how successful that was but you know it's a decade later now yeah you can't release a game with yeah you couldn't even do that you know, from three years out, from three or four years out, let alone a decade. Well, that's it, you know, they're still sort of releasing games that that look like Skyrim when it launched, you know, the, the 2010-2011 graphics. Yeah, and that was ever so long ago in terms of video game technology. Well, it is, you, you know, you look at the games that have come 
out from other companies which sort of shot you know they saw the opening they saw that that weakness and they moved in so you look at like the witcher 3 which was a great and how, game. yeah and just you know absolutely beautiful too and that released the same year as fallout 4 but looks a thousand times better. Oh my god, like, it's like night and day. You're like, oh, these games were released in the same year. Like, no, that can't be right. Yeah, like, it still holds up, you know, much better. And also, obviously, just in terms of, like, writing and quest design, I mean, it's just superior on every single level. Oh my god, it's a great game. You know, and I suppose maybe that's maybe that's just how things go, right? Nobody can be on top forever, Bethesda no, it had... it in cycles, and that's the thing. You've seen it when, you know, one company was on top, and then they lost the crown to somebody else, but then they bounced back. I guess, yeah, you know, they have to be challenged, right? Well, they exactly, can't... and that's why they say the thing is competition is good for everybody, because in most cases, it forces the company that was overtaken to improve what they have to compete. Yeah, and I think that's sort of what's happening, uh, obviously, with something like uh, Cyberpunk 2077 set release. Um, sort of regardless of how, you know, the plot or anything is, just in terms of, like, graphics engine, that's set to basically revolutionize oh things. Oh my god, yeah, even if the game is terrible, just the way it looks is going to change, every has already changed everything. Yeah, uh, you know, so there's just... Uh, things like that, and just so many other games that, you know, are sort of starting to take what Bethesda used to be able to do alone, you know, what they used to rule the kind of roost. And, yeah, and now they're they're taking the idea and improving on it to what Bethesda could have done but chose not to. Exactly, you know, and maybe it'll improve things, but I just... Or it could, you know. it could be it could be what lights the fire under Bethesda and really comes out and revamps things. It could very well be. I mean, or, for the next, or it could be the death blow. Uh, Seventy six may well have been. I mean, as far as we know, uh, there's not going to be another fallout for quite a few years. Bethesda's you know repeatedly said that uh, they're busy right now with their uh, space game that they're coming out with with it's a new ip yeah i remember reading about it but i can't remember the name of it uh starfield starfield that's it you know I mean, uh, but if they're throwing a lot into it and that comes out it could be good yeah i and mean i hope some audience back and that'll buy him some time to get back into fallout i hope so i mean um and then they're also working on obviously uh the new elder scrolls game yeah but okay so let's since we're going to kind of turn this into um, a series, let's do the theme with the franchise. Uh, mm -hmm. What do you think the status of the Fallout franchise is? At this point, dead. You think you think dead, or do you think hiatus? Uh, at this point, I think hi I think dead because I feel like hiatus is kind of what you put something into when it's. It's kind of ended all right, you know. You're just not making another one. Yeah. So, like, if if Microsoft had taken a break from Halo after fall after Halo Four, you know, for eight or nine years, that would be a hiatus. Right. So when you right now you're... when you destroy a franchise, it's not a hiatus. Yeah, which seventy six kind of did. Um. So yeah. basically, you're saying, for the time being, Fallout, may you rest in peace. 
Basically, I mean, everything that they've done for Fallout 4 and 76, I think they'd have to undo it almost at this point. And that's going to take an awful long time and an awful lot of effort. Yeah, and I just don't think that they sort of understand, you know, where they went wrong or what people really want from Fallout. I think we've sort of seen, you know, what what the games that they do and... They're just a little bit, I think, too kind of lighthearted, a little bit too much goofy first-person shooter. It almost remind, starts to remind me a little bit more of, like, a Duke Nukem game. Oh, Lord, and we all know how that uh, revamp turned out. Oh, yeah, just sort of that, almost that level of just silliness over the top. And I'm not, I don't think that's sort of what a lot of people playing Fallout kind of want from it. No, they want what it was in Fallout 3 and especially Fallout New Vegas. Yeah, something just uh, sort of darker, more serious. Yeah, that's what it is. It was dark, it was gritty, it was tense, and it was you just know. enough shooting elements to keep it interesting without turning it into a first-person shooter. Yeah, so I just, like, that's why I think it's dead, is just there's too many things that have to be undone now for it to sort of be in hiatus. They have to... You know, yeah, resurrect okay. everything. So basically you're saying dead with the possibility of resurrection? Maybe. You know, in ten years, maybe people will have forgotten enough. Hopefully. Because it was a cool series up until up until 76. Because 4 was, well, up until the release yeah. of 4, I should say. Yeah, and, you know, it, 4 is what it is. It's at least playable, but yeah, 76 was kind of the final yeah, nail that, in the that, Not just the game itself, but the way everything was handled leading up to it and after it. It's just, um, that was a lot of bridges that were burned, and it's going to take a lot of work to repair them all. Yeah, it all, you know, so much is riding on Starfield, which is the next game that's supposed to be released by them. Oh, boy. Um... Were the they, problem. Did they ever give an official release date for that, or at least even a quarter? Nope. Okay, well. <laughs> I think sometime in the next two years, maybe. I mean, it was announced in 2018, and yeah, you sort of think... Yeah, I remember it was announced in 2018, and I figured they would at least be like, you know, third quarter 2021 by this point. I think, you know, I mean, obviously with the pandemic, things are, well, are pushing true. But, I mean, you sort of think of maybe five years for something like that. Eh, alright, so even if they lose a year, yeah, hopefully within two or three years. Um, you know, the big problem is that, as far as anybody knows, they're still working on their in-house engine. Oh boy. That's it's the same... Well. It's the same engine they've used, frankly, since Fallout 3, I think, since even, you know, back through some of their earlier Elder Scrolls games. Yeah, they like just... Elder Scrolls 3... And they keep trying to patch it, and it just doesn't... No, there's only so many times you can patch a system before it becomes unplayable. It's probably, you know, just just get a new engine. It's not that difficult. Well, that's sort of it. It's, you know, I mean, for people who don't sort of know, you know, when you talk about, like, an engine, it's sort of an amalgamation of different pro sort of little programs, like one which will handle the weather, one which will handle inventory management, you right. know. And so you can kind of swap elements out, but at the end of the day, I think there is still sort of a core of the engine which can only be modified so much. Exactly. 
and they promised for 76 that it had basically been completely overhauled uh if you watch the uh sort of E3 or or the Xbox press conference for that one where Todd Howard came out and gave his now infamous 16 times the detail speech Oh Jesus I watched clips of that that was a thing to behold you know and in some places it is better than Fallout 4 but in so many others it's not. It still looks about the same. Right. It certainly doesn't seem like everything in the game is 16 times the detail. They still have a lot of kind of low-res textures and things. Mm. So, you know, how much you can kind of trust well, them to say that they've fi- they fixed their engine seems to be very limited. Well, and to be fair, 16 times like a quarter isn't a lot. Well, there's that too, you know. You know so but... 16 times something that was basically filmed on a potato doesn't exactly, isn't going to light up any screens. This, this is true, you know. So, like, for me personally, that's where my hesitation is now with Starfield, that I just don't want anything else on this engine. It's outdated. That that's And especially if it's going to be released in, like, the 2023 range, mm-hmm. and they release it on that engine, it's they're they're dead. They're dead in the water. Well, that's it. I mean, if Starfield doesn't blow everybody's up, socks off, Bethesda's had it. Yeah, because I think uh, Elder Scrolls isn't due before at least I think twenty twenty four, twenty twenty five. Yeah, and that's so. the thing. the The future of Elder Scrolls depends on Starfield. Kind of, yeah. You know, I mean, Bethesda makes a lot of money, and obviously now they've been bought by uh, Microsoft, but. You know, they still have to make money, right? They yeah. still have to pull their weight. So, well, Which could bode well with Microsoft buying them, don't you think? I have a hope now, mostly because my hope now for Fallout is that Microsoft will take the IP and give it to somebody else. They also own Obsidian. Yeah, I was going to say, Obsidian's still around and owned by Microsoft, so they wouldn't be paying any money. They'd just be shifting it within the company. You know, I think a lot of people are are really hoping, and, especially because Bethesda is, you know, quote unquote, busy right now. Well, like, if here's they're the thing, and they're also going to go back and look at numbers, and they're going to see the 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 numbers for Fallout New Vegas and everything related to it. Yeah, you know, so and they're going to look of... at the numbers for Fallout 70. Three versus Fallout Seventy Six, and they're going to be like, "Huh, we own these guys. Wonder if they're well, busy." That's it. You know, yeah. So you're sort of hoping, well, if you know, if Bethesda's going to be busy for the next five or six years... Right, do they, why not shift Microsoft, back to Obsidian? Yeah, Microsoft might not want to just sit on the franchise for six years. No, they they know enough to know that you can't leave something sit too dormant for too long. You know, so yeah, that's sort of the hope. Or, you know, maybe one of their other studios. Microsoft owns a lot of studios now. They do, but what, if and you I'm were Microsoft, curious. wouldn't you give it to somebody that had already done it? I probably would, but, you know, I wouldn't be adverse for practically anybody else taking a crack at it at this point. At least it would be new. Exactly. You know, so that's sort of the only hope, I think. If they just leave it to sit and eventually let Bethesda make another one, I don't think it's going to go well. (coughs) No, and honestly, I don't think Microsoft would do that. I hope not, generally. They're a pretty proactive company. They're going to, uh, they're going to probably want to do something with it in the next year or so. I think so. I've sort of always found that they're they're quite good at uh, keeping in touch with their fans and sort of listening to feedback. Yeah, and they're going to be looking at the boards and they're going to be like, you know, we can fix Fallout. We have yeah. the technology. We can rebuild well, exactly. it. Yeah, exactly. So, 
you know. That's my hope, you know. I don't need a sequel to New Vegas. No, I think but it, you just need it in that style. I just think, yeah, I mean, Obsidian understands it, right? They've they've worked on this franchise for decades now. Exactly, and that's why I figure it's just easier to ship it back to them. And, you know, they've already done it. They have a proven track record with it. Why not? Yeah. And it's already, it, and again, all owned by the same parent corporation. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't so, cost them a dime. No, you know, so who knows, you know, I guess we'll... We'll see over the next couple years. Exactly. As is with the theme of the rest of 2020, we'll have to wait and see. Indeed. So there you go. That was uh, the brief overview and synopsis of the sad downfall, or fall from grace, downfall from fallout, all the way down to basically dead and hopefully to be resurrected by Microsoft. And the the wonderful way Bethesda did it. (laughs) Final Let's closing thought, or how about this? Final closing thoughts from a fan of the franchise that's now dead and soon to be buried. Boo his Bethesda. Boo his Bethesda. You want to come back and do another one at some point? Sure. Yeah, who do you want to talk next time? Bioware. Okay, well there you have it. That's the that's the teaser for next time. So until then, for the carnival, I am Zach. I'm Rye. And go play some video games. Hell yeah.